We get it. You're busy. You don't have time to waste on the mainstream media. That's why Salem News Channel is here. We have hosts worth watching, actually discussing the topics that matter. Andrew Wilkow, Dinesh D'Souza, Brandon Tatum, and more. Open debate and free speech you won't find anywhere else. We're not like the other guys. We're Salem News Channel. Watch anytime on any screen for free 24-7 at snc.tv. And on Local Now, Channel 525. Welcome to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. This program was originally broadcast live on 93.9 KPDQ. We hope you enjoy the show. Well, good afternoon and welcome to the Georgine Rice Show. I'm going to try a different kind of persona. I think the one I, I have is not really working, so I'm, I'm going to try something new and exciting. James Blend is engineering today's program, and uh, quite frankly, I'm feeling just a little bit giddy because uh, we've got a long weekend coming up, and my guess is it's going to be sunny, it's going to be fun, and uh, so I'm just I'm feeling a little bit giddy. Welcome, James Blend. You have deigned to join us today. I'm uh, quite delighted. I had nothing else to do, and I was bored. Well, you'll be even more bored. I was say this isn't going to help the boredom, but it gives me something to do anyway. Oh, still as encouraging and complimentary as ever. Well, I have to tell you, before we start today's program, I had a visitor yesterday. It was her 10th birthday. Now, Emma is a bright little girl. She just turned 10, although she is wise beyond her years. She's articulate. She already has a sense of what God is calling her to do, and she came by for a tour for her 10th birthday. Now, I can't think of uh, any... Anybody else I know that would want to do a tour of the station for their 10th birthday, but she did, and her dad uh, arranged it for her. And I gave uh, a bit of an interview, and you'll be hearing from her throughout today's program, but I wanted to share with you my brief conversation with Emma on her 10th birthday. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I have with me in studio right now, Emma, whose birthday is today. She's 10 years old. She's a regular KPDQ listener. Now, how long have you been listening to KPDQ? I don't know. Daddy? (laughs) For as long as you can remember, huh? (laughs) A couple of years? Yeah, a couple of years. Now, why do you listen to the radio station? Because, like, we're in the car and, like, I either get to watch TV and listen to it, which kind of gets boring after a little while, or listen to the radio, which I do not know what's going to happen next. So So it's unpredictable Mm -hmm. and it's never boring. Yeah. (laughs) I added that part. Probably does sometime. Well, we're so delighted to have you here to celebrate your 10th birthday and to take a little tour of the station. Um, we've just started the tour, so you haven't seen very much. But mm-hmm. what have you liked so far? Um, I kind of liked that that room where the fish was mm-hmm. going on. Yeah, and you had a chance to talk to some of the people mm-hmm. who work there. Mm-hmm. Well, we all, on behalf of KPDQ and the fish and our sister stations, we want to wish you a happy birthday and the best 10th year birthday ever. Thanks mm-hmm. for coming. Thank you for letting me come. That was Emma, and uh, yesterday was her birthday, and it was a delight to meet her and to tour the station with her. And I have to tell you, I was a little encouraged. This is a a, a kid who uh, has a serious relationship with Christ, and she talked a little bit about uh, his leading in her life, and it was a it was a wonderful morning. We do tours here at KPDQ, and in fact, you can call the front desk and say that you'd like to have one conducted. I don't always do them myself; that's more of a rarity. But we do have tours here, so uh, you, you can, can check special that out. Request her though. 
yeah, that's what uh, that's what Emma's dad did. So we had a great time, and it was a pleasure to meet her. Happy belated birthday to Emma, who celebrated 10 years yesterday. In fact, uh, you, you mentioned tours and having them here. We had another one here this morning with a school group, and uh, it was a lot of fun. I was able to tell them a little bit about what I do and, you know, bore them to tears, but that's all right. <laughs> I know it does seem, from our side of the equation, does seem a little boring, but if you don't know anything about how radio works and what the people here do, it might be a little bit, it might be a smidge interesting. You know, I, I look, I, I it, it's one of those things, I think you get used to what you do and how you do it, and it's kind of like, it's the, it's the day in and day out. It's, it's, it's never boring, but you, you get used to it. And then every once in a while, I'll see a child looking through the window from the lobby and kind of staring in at the, at the fish and at, at us beyond the, that window, like what we're doing is magic. <laughs> and that, that, that rejuvenates magic, me. Yeah. It, it's, magic, yeah. It's go, oh, that's right. What we're doing is really cool. And when I, if that was my eight-year-old self, he'd be so jealous of me right now. So, yeah, it's, yeah, it's fun. Magic. It's fun. It is fun. So give the front desk a call if you're interested. Well, you know, we've been talking quite a bit about proms here um, uh, and promposals on the program. I've, I, uh, I know that in the old days, when you wanted to ask someone to, uh, to accompany you to the prom, you'd say, would you go to the prom with me? She'd say yes or no, and that would be the end of that. Well, that is no longer the case for some kids, not all. A lot of kids just say, well, you want to go? Yeah, I want to go, and that's it. But park rangers in California's Santa Monica Mountains, they have a message for High schoolers, and that is stop defacing national parks for promposals. Apparently, the Santa Monica Mountains National Recreational Area posted a photo to their Facebook page of a rock that bears a gigantic one-word message in white spray paint. Prom? Question mark. Really, kids? Well, the post was authored by um, Ranger Zach. He said from uh, said rather that the promposal wasn't even original. A near-identical piece of graffiti was cleaned from a rock uh, the same area last year. So, you know, everybody wants to do something different. So they essentially end up doing what everybody else is doing. Uh, the ranger says, we love hearing about creative promposals, but damaging public lands is not the way to do it. For the second year in a row, the same graffiti message has to be uh, uh, cleaned away. It was scrawled on a rock near Sandstone's Peak, uh, according to the Facebook page. So um, if you want to ask somebody to the prom, which I think now is in the rearview mirror, or moving forward to graduation, this would not be the way to do it. I guess on the positive side, he's felt prom right. <laughs> well, he he did do that. Let's... Uh, Hope it doesn't happen again. And then on the upside, here's a teenager who wanted to do something special for his dying grandmother, so he took her to the school prom. Isn't that sweet? Well, a high school junior's date was uh, the talk of the prom last week after he decided to take his 92-year-old terminally ill grandmother to the dance. Uh, Stephen Vigil, he's a student at Stafford High School in Virginia. He proudly escorted Julia Jammin into the ballroom where she was given a crown and a sash, according to the free, uh, the Freelance Star newspaper. Jarman, who never attended a prom in her life, was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer and only has months to live, according to the report. She and Vigil are especially close, and the 17-year-old um, has been careful to track her medication, to keep an extra blanket nearby in case she gets cold, just, you know, essentially being attentive to his grandmother. After receiving the go-ahead from the principal, Joe Lewis, no, not that Joe Lewis, wrong generation for those of you who have no idea who that Joe Lewis was, uh, Vigil set out uh, to plan the special Mother's Day weekend that included lunch and a trip to uh, the Arlington National Cemetery. They visited the graves of some of their family members. Uh, the Freelance Star reported that the weekend ended with Vigil's um, special request. She doesn't have much time left, so 
Uh, I didn't even have to think about the decision to take her to the prom, Vigil told the news outlet. I'm so glad we'll both have um, have these memories. Well, the lead up to the big day included a, a new blue dress for the grandmother to match Vigil's light blue vest and tie, a corsage of red roses and haircuts all around on the house at a local uh, hair cuttery. Uh, the freelance uh, star reported that the pair then enjoyed a photo session and dined at Spencer Devon Brewery, uh, something close by, where the manager covered the cost of their meals. Um, I couldn't believe it, Vigil told the news outlet. Vigil's mother, Pam, uh, said that her son keeps himself busy with school, work, and church, as well as sports. I knew there was probably church in there somewhere. But that he's been uh, spending uh, all of his free time, every free moment, with Jam and his grandmother, I'm not. I'm just so happy that we could do this for her and the family. Lewis said of her son, who was thoughtful enough to include his grandmother on a one of those um, occasions that you, at least in theory, never forget as a teenager. So nice kid. One one has to imagine though, and uh, that uh, the the music would have been different at her original <laughs> prom. Yes. I, I would be curious to have known her reaction to the 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 music of today, because I mean, I, I, I you know I'm I'm of that age where you know I'm certainly not her age, but uh, I'm of that age where you know today's music doesn't do a whole lot for me, especially <laughs> the type of music they play at a prom. I mean, either it's um, a little bit outside of my uh, moral specter, or it's um, you know just a little too thumpy and bassy for me. But um, I, you know, <laughs> yeah, I, I I can't imagine Grandma going more Kanye. <laughs> Yeah, I'm guessing she didn't do too much dancing. I could be wrong, but uh, this does give me hope, though, because I didn't attend my prom. I'm not bitter about it. I'm almost over it. I think another year of therapy, I should be fine. Um, But maybe someday when I'm old and gray, you know, in a month or two, someone will invite me to the prom and I will have the opportunity to attend and be able to say, oh, yes, I attended the prom without giving the year. I was... uh... 37 when I went to my to a prom, I should say. 37. 37. I didn't go to mine in high school, and uh, I finally got to one a few years ago uh, when my wife was chaperoning at the, this, at the school she teaches at, and uh, we, we kind of did it did it right. You know? Suit? Did you wear a suit? I wore a suit. I haven't uh, seen I, you in a suit since your wedding. I got, uh, got a corsage for my wife. Wow. We did the photos, which I've to this day still never seen. I, they sit on my wife's desk at work. You need to post that sometime. I'd love to see that. I'll, I'll have to see if we can come up with them and scan them, because I, I don't think we have digital copies. But uh, throw it through the scanner and see if we can uh, find my prom photos from <laughs> uh, a few years ago, which uh, I think the theme was something along like uh, doing up the city or something like that. You could pick what city you wanted behind you. Mm-hmm. For your pictures. For your picture. No, no, no. You know, you don't even bother guessing which city I picked. New York. All right. Good choice. Um, <laughs> good call. <laughs> it wasn't Portland, I'm just saying. So did you dance with your wife? Uh, a li- you know, a little bit, I think. Uh, but again, it, the music was really not suitable for either of us. <laughs> um, and there, there, you know, there, there is, um, let's just say, not a lot of snow dances at today's proms. Yeah. Um, although there are still some old favorites. There's you know, some classic Michael and stuff like that that... Uh, yeah, it's like okay, I can handle that. You can relate to that. I, I can. I can. Get, now, you know, do I, they serve food at a prom? Uh, this one. I know there's punch. It's got to be punch. This one was finger foods and punch. Uh, where you, it was, you know, it started like eight or eight thirty, so you were supposed to go out to dinner first. Yeah. Basically. But finger uh, foods. But yeah. Is there cake? There, I believe there was cake. Did yeah. you have cake? Um, yeah, I think I could still actually eat cake back then. See, I think it would be worth going to the prom for the cake. I just, I love cake at a special event. There's just something about cake. You go somewhere and they serve cake. That is like the coolest thing I can think of. Cake and punch. Because normally they don't just serve, you know, regular drinks like soda pop. They serve punch. It's a specially made punch. I love cake and punch. Man, well, I wish I'd gone to the I mean, prom. I, you know, 
I I had cake served to me at work this week. So, hey, I mean, who am I to argue? Well, that's true, but there was no punch. I'll blame that on the person who got me the cake. (laughs) Sorry, I didn't make any punch. That's okay. Okay, we're going to take a quick break. You're listening to the Fun Friday edition of The Georgine Rice Show. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. We're back. You're listening to the second segment of The Georgine Rice Show on a fun Friday afternoon before a long weekend. It doesn't get much better than that, except that James Blend is engineering this afternoon. That doesn't happen very often these days. Uh, but glad to have you. Now, here's another story that relates to the end of the year, at least the approach of the end of the year uh, for those who are attending school. A Virginia high school student service dog is gaining fame among his classmates as well as uh, online after a photo of the canine's yearbook photo went viral. Yeah, the dog, the service dog, got a yearbook photo. Hmm. Andrew A.J. Schalk, who's 16, a student at Stafford High School, said his service dog, Alpha, started going to school with him on December of 2015. The student, who is type 1 uh, diabetes, said Alpha's job is to alert him when his blood sugar gets uh, too low or too high. Well, Schalk said uh, uh, that the dog, Alpha, became such a welcome presence at the school that he was given his own school ID and a picture in the yearbook where his name is listed as Schalk. Alpha. Well, a photo of Alpha's yearbook entry went viral after a picture was posted on Twitter by a senior from the school, Diana Bloom. Seeing a picture of a dog caught my eye pretty quickly, Bloom told BuzzFeed News. I thought it was so cute, and I I knew that some of my underclassmen friends hadn't seen it yet because they didn't uh, have their yearbook. So he, uh, she took the picture and tweeted it, and the dog has gone viral and is quite famous uh, for becoming a member of the student body. Meanwhile, at the University of Central Florida, a student is facing a felony charge for allegedly hacking into the school system to change an F to a B. Bad idea. Uh, your your wife is a teacher. Yes, Bad absolutely. idea? Oh, I, not advisable. <laughs> a felony, by the way. University police said an engineering professor became suspicious uh, when he received an email from the school's electronic grade book thanking him for approving his grade roster several hours after he approved the roster and received a confirmation email. Well, the professor reviewed the grades and noticed that Sammy Adele Amar, 22, was listed as having a B in the class, whereas the grade he had been given was an F. And it was given earlier in the day. So he was uh, he recalled it with uh, perfect clarity. Well, police said the professor tried to correct the grade but received an error message. The professor said the student's name stood out because he had only uh, turned in a single assignment all semester, presumably to prove he was enrolled in the class for financial aid reasons. Well, the police from the university said that they were summoned to a school building that following day when two unidentified men were spotted in two staff rooms. The men were gone by the time the officers arrived. Ooh, intrigue. Police said the IP address of the computer used uh, to alter the grade was traced to one of the rooms where the men were seen. They reviewed security cameras footage, saw him and another student enter the room. Well, Amar, who police said was uncooperative during the questioning, turned himself in later that week after a warrant was issued for his arrest. Again, very serious. He has uh, been trespassed, or rather, yeah, trespassed from campus. I've never heard of that before. Trespassed from campus. And he's facing a felony charge of accessing a computer without authority. Police said they're uh, reviewing the involvement of Williams, the accomplice, who they said was unavailable for questioning due to flying home to California, which is probably where I would want to be under these circumstances. So not a good idea. Live with the grade you earned. Uh, Let's see, an Illinois graduate attempted to perform a backflip after receiving his diploma. You know, a lot of kids want to stand out during their graduation ceremony. You'll see on the 
on the top of the cap. Sometimes they'll put something there if their parents will allow it. And those who are assembled around can see it, but it's not so conspicuous from other vantage points. Well, an Illinois graduate attempted to perform a backflip after receiving his diploma, apparently quite good at it, but instead ended up with a face full of floor. Ow. It ended up being a face plant. Uh, a video posted to Twitter, <laughs> boy, if you do something stupid, it's going to show up somewhere because someone will post it. Um, they show a memorable moment from the graduation ceremony at the Warren Township High School in Gurney. Well, a graduate walking through the rows of his seated peers after accepting his diploma, a big moment for his parents, uh, decided to show off and the attempt, well, it backfired or backflipped, rather. The attempt goes awry and the student, um, he face plants on the floor. Who let John come to graduation? The tweet uh, read accompanying the video of the uh, horrible event. Well, not everyone's graduating this year. And for this 11-year-old girl, she decided she was going to take matters into her own hands. She didn't hack a computer, but she did try to at least intimidate or charge the teacher with having wrongfully um, uh, managed her grades. Well, the father of an 11-year-old Scottish girl shared the school feedback form, she wrote, accusing her teacher of a war crime under the Geneva Conventions. A war crime. (laughs) A war crime. Mason Cross, who lives near Glasgow, tweeted a photo, again tweeted, uh, Thursday showing how his 11-year-old daughter, Ava, answered one of the questions on her school's feedback form. The question asks for things my teacher can do better. And Ava responded, not use collective punishment uh, as it is not fair on on the many people who did nothing. And under the 1949 Geneva Conventions, plural, it is a war crime. (laughs) 11-year-old. My daughter actually submitted this feedback at school. Not sure if I should ground her or buy her ice cream, her father tweeted. He said the precocious youngster is 11 going on 47. I should clarify that she thinks her teacher is awesome. It's just this aspect of the educational justice system she has an issue with, Cross wrote in a follow-up tweet. So apparently one of the students had misbehaved and the entire classroom Uh, was punished for that misbehaving student's conduct. So again, she writes, things my teacher can do better, not use collective punishments, as it is not fair on the many people who did nothing, and under the 1949 Geneva Conventions, it is a war crime. I'll have to check that with my wife and see if she has the (laughs) same interpretation as teacher. Or if she uh, uh, imposes that kind of a blanket justice system that was uh, identified. Well, you know, some of us are romantic, some of us less so, and others may be a bit confused. In Houston, a man was seeking to give his girlfriend a romantic flower, something to say, I love you, and drawing attention on Twitter after accidentally giving her a bundle of kale instead, thinking it was some sort of a floral arrangement. Well, the Houston woman... Easy uh, mistake to make. (laughs) Yeah, if you don't know anything about flowers. The Houston woman um, uh, on Twitter tweeted a photo of the flower she was given by her boyfriend, again... If if it happens, it's going to show up on somebody's Twitter account. My boyfriend brought me this thinking it was a flower, but it's lettuce. Well, of a sort. It's a greenery. Um, Twitter users were quick to point out the plant uh, uh, wasn't actually lettuce, but purple kale. Uh, I was sleeping, and he woke me up by knocking on my window. I went to go open the door, and he had the lettuce in his hands with a big smile, she wrote. Uh, I just started laughing so much after I hugged and kissed him. He didn't know what it was uh, all about until I told him it was lettuce, which, of course, it is not. My mom was right by the door, and she was laughing, too, but she also thought it was cute. Well, she and her boyfriend 
um, are still together. She says uh, he was, his name, Jamarcus, was lost and he was laughing so much because he really thought it was a flower from a fruit. Okay. He got it from his job at a warehouse, she said. Uh, He didn't know any better but um, to think it was a flower, but that's what made it really funny, which, of course, it kind of did. And they are lovely bouquets. Well, I mean, the one thing is it's... it's, Well, edibles, that's debatable. I've had kale. I'm not sure edible is the word I'd use. Because <laughs> that was going to be my point is I'm not sure it's that natural to interpret kale as food. But um, I think... It's though, a superfood. It's a, it's a super terrible tasting food. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I guess food is subjective. But I mean, you think about where things work different regionally. That's got to be the height of romance here in Portland. Yeah, probably. It, I mean, a, a bouquet of kale, that seems like the type of thing that, you know, a woman gets and it would say here in Portland, well, this guy's a keeper. Yeah, if you like kale. I don't like kale. In case you hadn't figured it out. Oh, really? I hadn't noticed. No, no, not at all. <laughs> We're going to take a quick break. But the good news is we'll be back. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show on a fun Friday afternoon. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. We're back. You're listening to the Fun Friday edition of the Georgine Rice Show right before a long weekend. Giddy with excitement. I think that's the best description. Three days. I'm digging it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, residents of a main neighborhood woke up to a rather pungent mess. That's something you don't want to wake up to. A pungent mess when a truck dumped gallons of chicken parts on more than a mile of road. Chicken parts spill on aisle one. Only in this case, it was a roadway and they were left behind, apparently. Well, Portland police, and again, this is in Maine, uh, said the tailgate of the truck operated by Maine-based food waste collection company uh, malfunctioned at about 5 a.m. on Tuesday, causing waste to pour out from the back of the vehicle as it was traveling for more than a mile. Police said the chicken parts, which are being transported for waste processing, were cleaned rather cleaned up by AgriCycles sometime later in the day. The general manager of AgriCycles said the incident marked the first time one of the company's trucks caused a spill. He said the driver eventually realized what was happening and contacted police and company officials who uh, sent a second truck and more employees to shovel the chicken parts off the road. Most of the waste was cleared up by uh, from the roadway by 7 a.m. and the piles of waste made by the employees cleaned up By 9.30 a.m., a Portland City street sweeper made several passes on the road after the chicken was cleared uh, in in an attempt to alleviate the uh, foul odor. We will continue to monitor this with Public Works to make sure if uh, smells develop, we address it immediately, the Portland Press-Herald said of the incident. Uh, Not much worse than uh, the foul odor of rotting meat, in this case poultry. Or fowl. Yeah, the foul Foul, (laughs) stench of rotting fowl so to speak. Well, the Memorial Day weekend kicks off summer grilling season and Americans will once again celebrate with a favorite food, hot dogs. Well, the National Hot Dog and Sausage Council estimates that Americans will eat seven billion hot dogs during the season, which runs from Memorial Day weekend through Labor Day. That's 818 hot dogs per second and more than a third of the hot dogs uh, eaten per year. That's a lot of hot dogs. In a very short time. There's nothing better than a hot dog and a cold drink on a warm summer day, says the president of uh, one of the hot dog conglomerates. It's an American tradition that goes back generations and remains a great way to bring family and friends together. Well, despite hot dogs' popularity, many Americans still report that the ingredients are something of a mystery. Well, new research commissioned by the, let's see, the NHDSC, who knows, the Let's see. National Hot Dog and Sausage Council 
Where would we be without the National Hot Dog and Sausage Council? They've conducted online uh, polls. Uh, And they find that 72% of Americans say that the true ingredients of a hot dog are a mystery to them. This is despite the fact that a hot dog's ingredients are required to be listed on the package. We just don't necessarily know what they are once we've read them. Similarly, Americans tend to overestimate the calories in a standard hot dogs, and the National Hot Dog and Sausage Council want to uh, remedy that. The same research found on average, Americans estimate the standard hot dog contains about 210 calories, while 41%... Uh, of us say that they have no idea. And while calories vary by brand, the USDA says the average standard beef hot dog contains 154 calories. Now, I prefer the um, other kind, the turkey hot dog, but the National Hot Dog and Sausage Council has developed several resources to help address these misconceptions. And so what we have here from the National Council of Hot Dogs is what actually is in a hot dog. Now, all hot dog ingredients have to clearly be detailed on the product uh, ingredient statement from the greatest amount to the least. So whatever is the first thing, that's uh, what's mostly in it. The flavor, uh, flavor profiles, uh, nutritional goals, each slightly different type has different ingredients. But here's what most hot dogs have in them. And this really ought to get your mouth watering. Ascorbic acid, sodium ascorbate. Excuse me? That's the number one ingredient. Ascorbic meat or... Autolyzed yeast extract. Okay, that's fair. Oh, beef. Beef's good. Most commonly um, pieces of uh, meat cut from steaks or roasts. It's then very finely chopped and mixed in with uh, other spices. Variety meats and organ meats are not typically used in hot dog or sausage. And get that? Variety meats and organ meats are not typically used in hot dogs or sausages. So what 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 fell off the truck in Maine is not going to be in there. (laughs) Apparently not. And if organs are used, the specific organ will be included in the ingredient statement on the package. And the front of the package will declare with variety meats. So look for that. With meat byproducts is another thing to look for. Otherwise, it's 100% beef. Okay, other ingredients, beef stock. That's a key ingredient in soup, most commonly made of cooking beef bones in water, uh, may be added to achieve a meatier flavor. Celery powder, citric acid, collagen casing. Oh, I can't. I can't imagine eating a hot dog without collagen casing, an edible Mm, casing alternative to hog or sheep intestine. So I'm pretty happy with the collagen casing because the uh, hog or sheep intestine just doesn't do it for me. By the way, it's made from beef proteins. There is dextrose, which is a sugar found naturally in fruits and honey, uh, which can also be derived from starch. It enhances the flavor and browning during cooking. Uh, Flavoring, which is, uh, well, all kinds of flavoring. Garlic puree hydrolyzed vegetable protein, lactate, diacetate, uh, lauric arginate, uh, maltodextrin, mechanically separated chicken turkey, modified food starch, monosodium glutamate, natural sheep casing, um, let's see, oleoresin of paprika, phosphates, pork, salt, smoke flavoring, sodium benzoate, sodium erythorbate, sodium nitrate, sorbitol, Soil protein, concentrate, spices, sugar and corn syrup, water, yeast extract. Let's fire up the grill. I feel like having a burger right about now. (laughs) Yeah, I'm kind of off hot dogs for the moment, but uh, there you have it. They Um, they had me right up until uh, the mechanically separated chicken, because I know what that is, (laughs) and I don't want it in me. What is it? Um, Mechanically separated chicken is basically all the parts that don't get eaten on a chicken, 
including the bones thrown into a giant uh, blender. And, Mechanically separated chicken turkey. And turned into a paste that they can use. Okay, here's what it says. Chicken or turkey removed from the bones with specialized machines that use pressure to separate the meat. Since mechanically separated chicken or turkey is derived from poultry meat uh, that is close to the bone, it can have slightly higher calcium content when compared to whole muscles. Because of this, USDA requires that it be included in the ingredients as mechanically separated when used. So apparently the bones can be a part of it, but uh, the effort is to try to separate them rather than include them. But it doesn't sound altogether appetizing. I know the U.S. has much stricter rules on it than some other countries out there, oddly enough, uh, which is usually the other way around. Yeah. Uh, but, um, yeah, that it's, I, I've seen a few videos with that, and including reputable sources. Um, and, I, yeah, I'd, I'd prefer to avoid that. But how much, of it, I guess, really is in there? Hot dogs. I, I try to stick with the kosher beef hot dog. Yeah, that's what that's, I like, too. That's usually where, where, where I, I go. I also like and, turkey hot dogs. Who knows what's in that? Sometimes you just don't want to know. No, it's some. you know, my, my grandfather was a butcher from Germany, and that was usually his thing. What's in this? You don't want to know. <laughs> okay. Yeah, well, you do what you can. Well, the puffy pieces of sweetened corn that constitute a box of tricks have evolved considerably since General Mills introduced the cereal in 1954. For many years, it was my favorite cereal, and it predates many of the others that followed that became favorites. But never before has a change to the formula drawn this much ire from fans, past, present, and perhaps even future. Avid tricks consumers are becoming increasingly vocal on social media in their criticism of General Mills' decision to remove all artificial colors and flavors from the recipe, with some users describing the resulting cereal's dull colors as, well, disgusting-looking, among other things. The latest changes to tricks actually went into effect in early 2016 as part of General Mills' pledge to remove all artificial colors and flavors from its entire product lineup. The company reportedly opted to alter the formula in response to consumers' growing desire for natural ingredients, and they initially promised the same fun, vibrant colors that fans were accustomed to. Not so much. We wanted to make sure that they were still fun, vibrant colors that we are providing and that the fruity flavor that kids expect. General Mills cereal developer told uh, ABC in 2015 in an interview as they anticipated making the changes. But the ingredients that General Mills now uses in place of artificial coloring, spice extracts like turmeric and natural fruit juices, still leave a lot to be desired for those craving the bright colored food. The company has previously admitted that they had not yet found suitable substitutes for the green and blue dyes. I would say for the yellow and the red, too. But yes, Trix fans are taking notice. Some are even taking umbrage with the taste since General Mills has removed artificial flavorings and corn syrup, though most of their outrage is centered on the cereal's less than vibrant shades. A representative for General Mills wasn't immediately available for comment, but this might not be the first time the company has had to deal with the crestfallen consumers, especially since Trick Cereal has changed considerably since its introduction in 1954. General Mills has added or removed several new color fl- colors rather and flavors over the years, and in 1991 they switched over to fruit-shaped cereal bits before eventually reverting back to the round puffs in 2007. You know, once you got a good thing, I'm not so sure it's in anyone's best interest to mess with it. And I think uh, General Foods is learning that with the adulteration, if you will, of tricks. We're going to take a quick break. You're listening to a fun Friday program on the Georgine Rice Show. We'll be back.
You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. We're back. You're listening to the Friday edition of the Georgine Rice Show. Glad to have you with us. We're talking about some of our old favorites, or at least some of mine. Did you know that there has been a lawsuit filed against Jelly Belly? Well, they've been sued because one consumer had no idea there was sugar in the jelly beans. There's sugar in Jelly Bellies? Yeah, apparently so. Who knew? I had no clue. You know, I was always under the impression that it was um, it was made with mechanically extracted, no, mechanically separated chicken turkey. But to find out that it has sugar in it, that's shocking. <laughs> well, a lawsuit filed by a woman who says she was misled into buying Jelly Bellies. Uh, uh, exercise Jelly Bean is not uncommon, one attorney says, but it is nonsense, the company is arguing. Jelly Bellies sport beans... They apparently have sport beans are ad- advertised as an exercise supplement containing carbohydrates, electrolytes, and vitamins. Jessica Gomez, in a lawsuit filed earlier this year in a California state court, says they also contain more sugar than she thought. Well, apparently she didn't give it much thought. They're actually, they are, after all, jelly beans. That's because evaporated cane juice is listed on the ingredient list. This term is used instead of sugar to make sport beans more attractive to athletes, Gomez and her attorney say. Well, jelly beans, or rather jelly belly's response, read the nutrition information. This is nonsense. The company says in their April motion to dismiss, well, no reasonable consumer, no reasonable consumer, could have been deceived by sport beans labeling. Gomez uh, could not have seen evaporated cane sugar without uh, also seeing the product's sugar content on its nutrition fact label. I mean, after all, it is cane juice, which is sugar. And she has uh, pled no facts to suggest that athletes who consume this product to sustain intense exercise would want to avoid sugar rather than uh, affirmatively seek it. So the lawsuit has been um, filed, and we'll see what happens uh, what happens next? Does she have a case or not? I was actually at the, uh, a couple of years ago, I was visiting our sister station down in Sacramento. And uh, as a side trip, uh, we visited the Jelly Belly factory. Oh. Yeah. That's it, it. And I can tell you from uh, my own two eyes, the palate upon palate upon pallets of sugar, mm-hmm. giant hundred pound bags of sugar that I saw there. There are most assuredly... <laughs> Have sugar, sugar in, in the them. product. Well, Gomez filed a class action suit. So if you are confused by the fact that there's sugar in Jelly Bellies, the sport version, um, this year earlier this year she filed it. She allegedly uh, says that they were negligent, that they misrepresented the uh, the contents, and that it violates the California Consumer Legal Remedies Act, a false advertising law, and unfair business practices law. She's seeking a trial by jury, damages, restitution, attorneys' fees, and injunction injunctive relief. So she's quite serious about this uh, this whole thing. Wow. Apparently, You know, uh, I, I was reading the other day that uh, Jelly Bellies have some uh, new flavors coming out that are of particular interest. Of course, they, that's the cool thing about Jelly Belly, I suppose, amongst, you know, they, they come up with some very interesting flavors. And they've uh, partnered with someone we've, we've, uh, we've dealt with on the show on National Donut Day before. Yeah. Uh, they're Krispy Kreme Jelly Bellies coming out this summer. Krispy Kreme Jelly Belly? Krispy Kreme in five varieties. Uh, cinnamon apple, strawberry iced, original glazed, glazed blueberry cake, 
and chocolate iced with sprinkles. Oh, original glaze, hands down. So before I could, when I was still able to eat them, uh, I, I, I would say the actually the chocolate iced with sprinkles was my favorite. Ooh, chocolate iced with sprinkles. So, is it, do they have a Jelly Belly that's chocolate glaze? Yeah, that's that was the last oh, one I said. Goodness. Yeah, that was the last one. You kind of lost me sprinkles. when you said the glazed. And did you miss the glazed blueberry cake then too? No, I, okay. that doesn't appeal to okay. me. Uh, but yeah, it's coming out uh, later this year and in a, in a special box where they keep them all nice and separate. So you can uh, have the uh, donut experience of your choosing. Mm. Kind of hoping they don't have uh, gluten in them. Kind of hoping. Yeah. Most jelly beans don't, but every once in a while with an ingredient like these, you never yeah. know. But uh, it'd be a nice way to enjoy those uh, those chocolate sprinkled donuts again without the gluten. Yeah. Just for the record, they will have sugar in them. Just so they, you know. Yeah. You know, that, that may be a side effect. Um, I apologize to all our listeners who are hoping for those sugar-free Krispy Kreme jelly beans. Yeah. I'm, I'm pretty much thinking that's going to be it. Well, France celebrated the 25th anniversary of its annual strawberry festival by baking the world's longest French strawberry cake. Mm. People are obsessed with the biggest, the longest, the whatever-ist. Five professional pastry chefs baked each section of the Guinness World Record-breaking 105-foot-long Frasier Patissiere, a cake made with fresh strawberries, layers of cream, and sponge cake. I wonder how long it would take to get to France if we left now. We got three days. The finished product was made up of uh, 55 sections containing 720 eggs, 300 egg yolks, 59 pounds of sugar, and yes, it did have sugar in it, 66 pounds of wheat flour, and 440 pounds of strawberries. That sounds really, really good. I'd be up for that. I'm afraid it has gluten in it, though, so not none for you. No, none for me. That's all right. I'll deal. You'll be able to uh, go on with your life. I think so. Well, some people just cannot resist the notion of uh, having something they just absolutely must have. And one case, uh, the owners of a Colorado donut shop, speaking of Jelly Belly Donuts, said a bear ripped off the rear bumper of their delivery vehicle trying to get to the donut smell in the trunk. Well, Todd and Kim Robertson of Steamboat Springs said that they awoke early Monday to discover a bear had been trying to get into the trunk of their Ford Focus That's the vehicle they use to make deliveries for their downtown business, the Moose Watch Cafe. Well, the couple posted photos of the damage to the car, the cafe, on Facebook. Donuts so good it turns bears to a life of crime. The smell was just too good to resist, the Facebook post uh, said. The couple said the bear left a large paw print on the car and tore the uh, rear bumper before uh, giving up and leaving the area. Uh, They said there is uh, little doubt as to what drew the bear to the car. It always reeks of donuts uh, in Inside the car because that's what they deliver. She says there were no donuts in the car at that time, but there were aprons in the vehicle that smelled heavily of the pastry treat. Well, the police say that the, uh, or rather confirmed that they could smell the strong odor of donuts while standing outside the vehicle. I guess if anyone is an expert about this, it is us. Uh, Mr. McMartin said, jokingly referencing the stereotypical relationship between police officers and donuts. Now, fortunately, there were claw marks from the bear. So the police were exonerated from uh, being suspect in the uh, in the incident. By the way, did you happen to know that today is National Hamburger Day? That's appropriate. But I, I was going to ask you real quick on the last story. Yeah. Uh, you know, what would the bear have done if he'd gotten a hold of a couple of bear claws? That's what I want to know. Uh, you know, that's that's a good question. Is that cannibalism? That's a good question. I, I do not know. No, I don't either. 
I do but, not know. But no, I've never, you know, as, as to National Hamburger Day, never been more motivated to eat a hamburger than after hearing all that about hot dogs. So <laughs> hot dog I'm, story. I'm game. Bring it on. <laughs> yeah. Well, Bring whether, on the burgers. Whether you like them topped with cheese or chili or ketchup or mustard or mayo, nothing at all. There's no denying that burgers are the springtime, summertime uh, cookout staple. You know what's in it? You know how to cook it. Well, National Hamburger Day is, well, actually, it's Sunday. I'm mistaken. It's not today. It's Sunday, just as the country prepares for the busy grilling season. But if you're not in the mood for uh, to fire up your coals just yet, it will be uh, pretty easy to get your hands on a great burger this weekend without the grill great hassle. So hamburgers, uh, there's some good ones, well, all over the uh, the metro area. We're not going to mention them because there there are too few or too many rather. But National Hamburger Day, I was mistaken. It's not today. That's coming up on Sunday. So will you have a, a burger in honor of the occasion? Maybe I'll have more than one. Ooh, well there you go. Yeah, and that's uh, the cool thing about Hamburg National Hamburger Day. That is kind of the holiday you can kind of celebrate all weekend. Yeah. Because I mean, you're not going to leave the burger out on Monday, are you? No. The, the Memorial Day barbecue, you can't. That's true. And a bear might come. You never know. Well, as long as you have bear claws, you're fine. We're going to take a quick break. We've got news and traffic at the top of the hour. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. We're back. You're listening to the second hour of The Georgine Rice Show. Awfully glad to have you with us. James Blind is engineering. That doesn't happen very often uh, these days, but we're glad to have him uh, with us on this Friday before a three-day weekend. Gotta love it. Well, a frantic squirrel caused a minor travel delay after wandering onto a train in Massachusetts during a Thursday morning commute. The passenger reported the squirrel hopping between seats uh, at about 8.30 a.m., prompting the Massachusetts Bay Transportation Authority to assess the situation. Because if you've got a squirrel hopping the seats... Yeah, the Massachusetts Bay Transportation Authority, they're going to assess the situation. Well, the train was held for three minutes at Jackson Station while they uh, cleared the car on which the squirrel was reported by customers. Uh, After a delay of about three minutes, the 10 passengers on the train with the squirrel moved to different portions of the six-car train, and it continued along the route. Apparently, the squirrel had one car all to him or herself. To have delayed the train any longer than necessary would have been nuts. No pun intended. The squirrel's free ride ended in mysterious fashion as it was nowhere to be found when staff checked the empty car after the train arrived at its destination. Of course, that may have been its stop and it might have just wandered away as squirrels want to do. Well, you may be reading in your newspaper at uh, any time here that there is a monkey mafia wreaking havoc. They're actually stealing stuff and then selling it back for crackers. Yeah, we're talking about the monkey mafia. Long-tailed, let's see, they're uh, living near the Indonesian temple. They figured out how to run a a ransom racket on visiting tourists. The monkeys grab valuables such as glasses, hats, cameras, or in one case, a wad of cash from the ticket booth. Then wait for temple staff to uh, offer them food before dropping their ill-gotten gains and dashing off with the tasty prize. The tasty prize being the ransom they have acquired having stolen valuable items. And although this behavior has been reportedly anecdotal uh, at the uh, temple in Indonesia on the island of Bali for years, it had never been studied scientifically in the wild. So a um, primatologist at the University of Liege in Belgium and her colleagues, they set out to discover how and why it has uh, spread through the monkey population. Apparently they have 
been talking to one another. It's a unique behavior. The uh, temple there is the only place in Bali where it's found, she says, which suggests it is a learned behavior rather than an innate ability. Well, they wanted to determine whether it was indeed cultural, which could help us better understand the monkey's cognitive abilities and even um, uh, more about uh, what they might expect in the future. She spent four months observing four different groups of monkeys that live near the temple. The two groups that spent the most time around tourists had the highest rates of robbing and bartering, supporting the idea that they were learning the behavior by watching each other or perhaps the humans. They were stealing from groups with more young males were more prone to risky behavior, also had higher rates than other groups. And although the study is based uh, on only a small sample, uh, the scientist believes her team has found that first um, preliminary evidence that the behavior is, in fact, a cultural one, something that's learned, transmitted across generations by monkeys learning from each other. So the uh, monkey mafia apparently refining its uh, ability to steal barter and ransom for the things they really want. And they can be very intimidating. I was in India once and the monkeys just swarm. And uh, again, they're just very, they're frightening. They're loud. They come in, in groups and they can they're, they're take stuff. They're clearly not monkeying around then. No, no, they they're, are not. Or perhaps they are monkeying around, depending on how you look at it. Speaking of monkeying around, a couple out observing nature in the Arizona mountains captured video of a mother elk kicking a bear in the face to rescue her calf. You don't mess with mama, whether she's an elk or, well, a human. Shannon Seville of Flagstaff, Arizona, said she and her boyfriend, Joel Floyd, were cruising the Forest Service roads near the city in their uh, new Toyota Land Cruiser earlier this week when they stopped to observe a bear. That's what you want to be in if you're stopping to observe a bear. The video shows the bear menacing a crying creature uh, concealed by a fallen branch. But it soon revealed uh, that it was a baby elk. Well, the bear's intentions toward the calf seemed quite clear. But its meal plan was foiled when Mama Elk suddenly appeared and chased it uh, partway up a tree. The bear appears to decide it isn't afraid of the mother elk and makes another attempt to get the baby, leading the mother to kick the bear in the face. Well, the mother elk and the calf, they flee as the bear climbs back to safety, uh, the safety of the tree. The animals left the line of sight that weren't able to um, find out what happened next, but they imagine nature took its course. However, it was meant to be. The calf didn't appear injured and the mother stayed near. So who knows what happened? What we do know is that bear for that moment was unwilling <laughs> to uh, risk uh, the wrath, the ire of that mama elk and the rest is something of a mystery. Now, over the last several weeks, we've been bringing almost every week a story involving a snake where a snake doesn't belong. Last week, we talked about snakes in Alaska. You shouldn't have to deal with, you know, the big intimidating snakes in Alaska, but that is precisely um, what we're finding, snakes showing up in places they don't belong. And today I have some other examples of that very thing. Now, Florida, it's not uncommon to find snakes, but a Florida woman doing laundry at her home said that she was shocked to discover a ball python while rinsing out her pet rat's blankets. <laughs> Between the python and the rat, I'm just undone. Coco, resident of uh, Juanita Tedesco, said that she was washing blankets belonging to her pet rat princess. Really? Pet rat princess? Is there something wrong here? When one of the blankets fell to the floor, I was rinsing out the rat blanket and the blanket fell down and he was there all wrapped around the blanket. The snake, that is. He was trying to eat the blanket. 
He had the blanket totally in his mouth, she says. It was really gross. Well, she and I are in agreement on that. She said the python apparently wanted to make a meal out of Princess, the pet rat. It would be a good meal, but I think Princess might win, though, she says. Uh, She's nippy and she bites and she's real moody. Well, I'm not sure she's any um, real competition for a python, but Tedesco called police and the uh, county animal control officer responded to the home and captured the snake. A lot of times it's a person's pet that gets loose and ends up in someone's backyard. It's obviously a non-indigenous snake, uh, the Coco police said. Well, the incident marked the third time a ball python was discovered inside a Florida home in recent days. An Orlando man found a python coiled up on the floor of his pantry. More on that in a moment. And days earlier in Pembroke Pines, a man found a python attempting to attack his dog in his garage. A Florida woman uh, shocked to find the python in her laundry believes herself to be quite fortunate in that it didn't um, get to her pet princess, the rat. <laughs> I, I, can you imagine, though, I mean, if you think about it, yeah, it's disturbing to find a uh, um, a, a snake in the laundry, but uh, imagine the mess you make if you don't find it and you throw it in the washing machine. Well, there is that. that uh, your clothes ain't getting clean in that cycle. <laughs> I'm just saying. A mechanic was able to remove a four-foot venomous snake from a Louisiana woman's car after it spent days hiding inside the vehicle. <laughs> Yeah, that's about right. A mechanical identified only as Tony was filmed removing the seat from uh, the car in Shreveport, uh, Shreveport, rather, a few days after she first spotted the serpent inside her car. A few days after, what was she doing in the interim? Well, the uh, animal control officer and snake catchers told her they couldn't remove the snake because it was too well hidden in the car. Uh, But Tony, the mechanic, agreed to come to the rescue. The video shows that he removes the four-foot snake after taking the seats off the car, or out of the car, rather. The four-foot snake was identified as a venomous water moccasin. How'd you like to get into your car and find that thing just lurking? And then finally, there's this. A Florida man said that he opened up his pantry in the morning and was shocked to discover a four-foot python coiled on the floor. Lenny Lichtman opened the pantry on Tuesday morning at his Orlando home and quickly noticed the large snake rolled up like spaghetti on the floor. My heart was in my stomach, he said. I thought I was going to catch a stroke or a heart attack, which, of course, you don't really catch. It was pounding, he told his local media. My blood pressure must have been up to 220 over 140. He called 911 for help with this serpentine invader. I thought it was a hallucination. Uh, I told the lady on the phone, don't laugh when I tell you uh, what's uh, why I'm calling. Well, the Orange County Fire uh, Rescue arrived at the home and the responders quickly recognized the snake as a non-venomous python. Venomous, non-venomous doesn't really matter to me. I would be scared as the man was. They asked him to hand them a pillowcase, which he did. They dumped it in the pillowcase and they traveled out the door like Santa Claus with a bag of toys. Of course, it was a snake. Put it on the truck and they left. Well, Lichtman, the homeowner, said the he suspects the snake got into his home through the garage, which he sometimes leaves open. He said he plans to just keep the garage door closed and the windows closed and so they can't get in. I'm scared of even uh, walking in my garage right now, he says. He didn't know, doesn't know if there are any lurking, but at least the one he knows was in his home is now uh, caught and released somewhere safe. We're going to take a quick break. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. 
You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Hey, we're back. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show on a fun Friday afternoon. Well, two pastors renovating and working to reopen an historic New Mexico church found out they already had some parishioners or visitors, however you want to describe them. They were bees. Now, you know, there's a great bee shortage going on, and we've found uh, several places where large numbers of bees are hiding out. So maybe now we're discovering where they are. Well, Albuquerque, New Mexico reports that D. Brown and his wife, Bernadine, discovered the bees while working to remodel Emerge Church ABQ. Uh, Both are pastors of the church targeting Albuquerque's South Valley African-American community. The bees had swarmed one side of the church and threatened renovations. The local bee rescuer offered to remove the honeymakers for free. Raymond Espinoza of Honey Bee Rescue Farm removed the bees and planned to relocate them elsewhere amid large bee losses nationwide. So we need to start looking for bees in the rafters, in the, uh, you know, where the insulation might otherwise have gone, but... They're there. They're just not where you expect them, apparently. That's uh, going to be a nightmare would... for me tonight. <laughs> Hundreds of thousands of bees swarming, lurking. Have you checked your house out? Are you sure there are no are no bees uh, waiting? Uh, no. So I'll be doing that tonight. Am I kind of freaking you out? A little bit, yeah. Mission accomplished. So a trip to the vet uh, is a challenge, but some inventive surgeries have been trying to um, well string out Uh, The visit uh, with some hilarious signs that poke fun at the procedures like neutering and DNA testing. Others tried to lighten the mood with a pun with one offering 50 shades of spay and another adding a fun tone to a message about uh, pet obesity with the slogan. I like big mutts and I cannot lie. Uh, Impressed customers have been sharing the best examples online. And although it's unlikely to the humor made uh, their pets feel any more uh, comfortable or chipper uh, about coming to a visit for surgery, I thought you might get a kick out of some of them. At the Acton uh, Animal Hospital, their sign read, I kissed a pug and I liked it. Another, why don't cats play cards? Too many cheetahs. Another veterinarian on the sign at Cox Veterinarian Hospital. Deck the halls and whack, well, we'll leave that alone. At the Highland Road Animal Hospital, dogs have owners, cats have staff. At another veterinarian clinic, um, O'Galley Veterinarian Hospital, they write, neutering your pets makes them less nuts. At the Abilene Animal Hospital, it's all fun and games until somebody ends up. This one makes no sense to me. I'll leave that alone. I have no idea. Uh, St. Joe Center Veterinarian Hospital, free belly rubs with exams. Sorry, pets only. That's cute. At the Harvest Hills Veterinary Hospital, watch me snip. Now watch me spay. Spay. Did you get that? Uh, I think that's the. Is that the. Oh, Nay Nay? Yeah, 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 yeah. Watch yeah. me nip, watch me spay, spay. Yep, that's, yeah. Watch, watch me nip, it, watch it, me spay, spay. Instead, it was it watch me whip, watch me nay nay. Oh, was? okay. Yeah. I, I didn't so. say it right. You got to say it right. You got to say it right. Another hi- um, animal hospital writes uh, Why can't Dalmatians hide? They're always spotted. <laughs> and the Vestavia Animal Clinic. Energizer bunny arrested, charged with battery. I'm wondering if these are working. Uh, The old galley veterinary hospital, DNA testing done here. Who's your doggy's daddy? And at the hometown animal care, maybe I already said those, I like big mutts and I cannot lie. Pet weight loss awareness month. And finally, at the St. Joe Center veterinary hospital, dinosaurs never went to the vet. Look what happened. That's clever. Yeah, that's, that's pretty that's clever. clever. So if you are inclined to uh, 
avoid going to the veterinary clinic. These might inspire you to do what's in the best interest of your mutt. An Irish veterinary clinic is seeking someone with catitude to fill a crucial paid possession, rather position, I'm sure that's what they intended to write, a professional cat cuddler. Oh, wouldn't that be fun for somebody else? The Just Cats Veterinary Clinic in Dublin shared a job posting on its website with the headline, Cat Cuddler Needed. Apparently they're serious. They're going to pay someone to cuddle cats. The clinic said candidates should have plenty of catitude and ideally be a crazy cat person. Well, I guess you and I are out. We are an equal opportunity employer. However, we do discriminate against dogs attending our veterinary clinic as patients, the posting states. The ideal candidate must have gentle hands capable of petting and stroking cats for long periods of time. They need to be softly spoke and capable of cat whispering to calm the nerves of some of our inpatients. An ability to understand different types of purring is a distinct added advantage in helping you secure this position with us. The veterinary Caulfield said the employee's uh, official title will depend on the skill set. We're considering a veterinary intern, a nurse position, or a nurse's assistant, and their title will be appropriate to their role. They told the Huffington Post, who apparently was interested. However, the essence of the job is having a staff member that is responsible for ensuring that our patients, our clientele, and guests have a pleasant experience while receiving their health care. So you have to be willing to be scratched, bitten, and otherwise by cats. So non-cat people need not apply. Well, I thought this was rather interesting. Uh, The peculiar is now finding its place among popular culture. There is now apparently a modeling agency. It's the first of its kind for so-called modified humans. They spent about $3 million between them on surgery to look like characters such as a Ken doll, Britney Spears, and an alien. Uh, Reality series Plastics of Hollywood will feature 12 human dolls. They modified themselves to appear doll-like. The agency was set up by an Argentinian uh, who now lives in L.A. He says his members were born in wrong bodies and needed surgery to transform. Now, in this case, we're not talking about sex reassignment, but simply changing features in some cases in very dramatic ways. Um, the show will feature human Kendall, an alien, an elf, and Jessica Rabbit's lookalike. Wow. They are incredible characters who have had plastic surgery, cosmetic procedures, and just have very extreme looks. From surgery and procedures, the dolls have spent over $3 million altering their looks. Well, one um, individual uh, has spent uh, $500,000, and uh, another is insured for $1 million for the changes that uh, have been made. For these people, it's about the need to become somebody else because they were born in the wrong body, or at least their features do not uh, match their ideals. For this, we have been called satanic, crazy, plenty more, but we couldn't care less. That's just their opinion. Um, The reality TV show will follow the human dolls trying to carve careers away from world of body alteration and their extreme looks. As part of their talent agency, we guide them to be the best they can be, If some want to be singers, actors, performers, we give them the best steps to achieve that goal. We're training them to be the best they can be, put them through boot camps, give them voice coaching and guidance to be successful. Uh, They get very competitive with each other, so they're trying to keep them in line and make sure things don't go uh, too crazy. Uh, It's amazing to see the variations on what these people have done to themselves. 
Uh, Frenchie is, uh, uh, well, they have Ill- pictures of them. There's Britney Spears lookalike. We already have one of them, but nonetheless, um, there are um, individuals who have so al- altered their appearance to look like an elf. Um, there's one who wants to look like a um, a Barbie doll, which isn't, I suppose, altogether surprising, a Ken doll, another to look like an alien of some description. And uh, now there's a reality show that will feature them an opportunity for them to serve as models. Okay. Yeah. I've, I always... I've seen the Ken, the Ken doll person on TV before, but uh, I think that may be, you know, I'm not a reality show person to begin with, but I think that may be one that's pretty easy for me to skip. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder where they get the money for all of these procedures. They spend hundreds of thousands of dollars to get things done. And I, I wonder where on earth does that money come from? Are they, then working the rest of their lives to pay for it? Are they independently wealthy or where do they? Well, anyway, I guess having a reality show goes a long that, way. That to, will help, yeah. I guess so. Well, just be satisfied with what you've got. Do the best with what you have, and I think you'll probably be fine. Quick break. We're listening to The Georgine Rice Show, and we will be back. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. We're back. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show on a fun Friday afternoon, brought to you in part by Toyota of Vancouver. Well, you know, all sorts of different lifestyles are emerging. And in Australia, folks who like tiny houses find them too large. So they're now being called van lifers. It's a generation of young Australians who've been priced out of the spiraling property market. And they live and work out of vans rather than pay landlords because rent is, as they put it, slavery. For almost... Uh, For most 20-something-year-olds, life follows a reasonably predictable path in Australia. Graduate from university, get a full-time job, move out of home, your parents, and begin to uh, the monstrous cycle of a working life. But a collection of free-spirited millennials who believe rent is slavery have started a new and much cheaper movement, living, traveling, and working out of custom-made vans. This is, I suppose, a step um, beneath the little house Uh, phenomenon that we see here. Instagram page Van Lifers documents the envious lives of a growing uh, group of people across the globe who've chosen to move into vans to escape the hustle and bustle of city living from the idyllic mountaintops of New Zealand's North Island to South Australia's picturesque Great Australian uh, Bight to the Northern Territory. The page is filled with young Australian travelers living out a carefree life a nomadic lifestyle on a tiny budget in a tiny van. Well, their vans or sometimes uh, decommissioned school buses are usually immaculately redesigned, kitted out with fully functional kitchens, sleeping arrangements, and wardrobes with um, insulation for the colder months. Other uh, Australian van lifers, again, as they're called, who often have hundreds of thousands of social media followers living vicariously through their stunning posts, appear to do little other than explore. Social media personality Elise Cook runs an online blog detailing her experiences traveling Western Australia in a van with her uh, friend. I feel like being on the road allowed us to tap into a slower gear in how we live and think. We also realized how little we need to be happy, she said, speaking to the Daily Mail in Australia. A little over a month ago, we packed up our house, got rid of as much stuff as possible, put some of it into storage and moved into Scout. That's the van. Uh, The plan is to spend the next year or two moving around Australia. We hope that it will be a time in our lives of exploration, inspiration, and motivation. And again, one wonders, where does the money come from to pay for the gasoline and all the other 
uh, necessities. Another couple, uh, Tyler and Millie, revealed that they've traveled over 20,000 kilometers across four states of Australia after just five months in their Volkswagen Caddy van. We have um, been freezing cold, stinking hot, soaking wet, and everything in between, all while uh, with this huge grin on our faces and um, uh, loving every minute of it. One Sydney man, Liam, said he wasn't ready for a, a suit and tie after graduating from university, so he bought an old school bus, named it Bilby, and totally renovated its uh, interior so that he could take it on the road, which he is now doing. So what do you think? Van life? Does that sound like something you and your family would consider? I, I think especially with a two-year-old. It, uh, oh, it, that would it, be it, the most fun of all. Oh, boy. You might have to graduate to a school bus you know, so she I, could have her own space. I, I'm I'm blessed in that uh, my daughter travels very, very well, but I think there's got to be exceptions to that. <laughs> and living in a van down, down by, by the, the river, river <laughs> would be one of them. Yeah, I knew that was coming. Yeah, I, I guess if you're young and you have time and money, it might be fun to do temporarily, but I'm not sure if you could sustain that for any length of time. Well, again, I'm an indoor pet. This is too close to camping for me. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And I wonder, is there sanitation involved in this sort of thing? What do you do? You just pull up to a McDonald's every other, or, you know, Billy Bob's or whatever, Billy Bong's or whatever you have in Australia uh, to take care of yourself. Billy Bong's. Is that is that a place you've been? I have no idea. I was going to ask. Making it up. Okay. I, I wouldn't have guessed. Well, this guy probably isn't one of these... Uh, uh, van livers, but a man in China decided he really loved having a convertible. But what do you do when it rains? Well, the Chinese driver, who apparently didn't want to put his convertible top up in the rain, was filmed driving down the highway with an umbrella. I mean, why not? The video filmed earlier this month shows a man driving a red Mercedes Benz. He's got money. It's a convertible. During a rainstorm in Guangyuan, Sichuan province. Uh, the man had the vehicle's top down despite the rain, but managed to keep himself relatively dry by holding a rainbow-colored umbrella over his head. Now, I'm not sure what that does to the interior of the vehicle over a period of time, but nonetheless, he got what he wanted. That was my question. You know, you, yeah, you've covered yourself, but yeah, you better hope you have a new money or a good amount of money to go along with your car because you're probably going to need new upholstery. <laughs> I say well, there's nothing like wet carpet in a car over a period of time. Well, in um, in Ireland, a beach that was swept away more than 30 years ago from a, remo- a remote island, rather, off the west coast of Ireland, has reappeared after thousands of tons of sand were deposited on top of that rocky coastline. The 300-meter beach near the tiny village of Duag of, um, uh, on the island vanished in 1984 when storms uh, stripped it of its sand, leaving nothing more than a series of uh, rock pools. Well, after a high spring tide last month, locals found that the Atlantic Ocean had, in fact, returned the sand. It's enormously significant, says uh, one tourism office official speaking to the Irish Times newspaper, recalling how the popular beach once sustained four hotels and a number of guest houses on the west coast of the island. Twenty six hundred people. Well, the island already has five blue flag beaches, so we're hoping that in time it will be awarded with a sixth. Well, the island, the largest off the coast of Ireland, forms part of the Wild Atlantic Way, a tourist trail stretching from the south of the country to the northwest that has benefited from the a tourist boom in the European Union's fastest growing economy. So one uh, little beach has been returned to Ireland that had once been swept away. I'd love to uh, visit Ireland at some point in my in my lifetime. My husband has... Uh, at least a partial Irish background, so I'd, I'd love for him to have that opportunity.
Well, uh, this weekend is Memorial Day, and uh, we all have an opportunity uh, to spend time with folks we care about. But it also gives us an opportunity to perhaps take a few moments to remember why we celebrate Memorial Day. Now, more than a century ago, the tradition on Memorial Day was to place flowers on the graves of the war dead. Well, over the years, that tradition has been replaced by putting hamburgers on the grill, enjoying a three-day weekend with friends and family. But the traditions and the meaning of the holiday are being revived thanks to the effort of two groups of veterans. And perhaps we should uh, take heed and follow their example. Uh, Stephen Holly, who's a former Navy SEAL and co-founder of the nonprofit Carry the Load, says that for many in my generation, Memorial Day was the three-day weekend that kicks off the summer. And it certainly is that. But he goes on to say, there's nothing wrong with barbecuing or going to the beach. But people in my generation seem to have forgotten why we have the holiday in the first place, which is to pay due respect to those who served and died. We want to change that. So that's precisely what they're doing. They're attempting to change that. And my question to us is whether or not we're prepared to do the same. John Adams said, I am well aware of the toll and blood and treasure that it will cost to maintain this declaration and support and defend these states. And I wonder if we in the 21st century have any idea what it has cost us to have the freedom to enjoy liberty and three-day weekends and even the ability to protest what we oppose. Well, Memorial Day provides a stark contrast between the best of our nation's patriot sons and, and daughters versus the worst of our nation's culture of consumerism. Memorial Day is not for sales and patriots, those who remember and purpose not to forget, Uh, Focus their attention on those who have already paid the full price. We don't enjoy our freedom and liberty just because, you know, we're great people. It actually costs a great deal from others. In his essay, The Contest in America, the 19th century libertarian philosopher John Stewart wrote, War is an ugly thing, and it is in every generation and every time, but not the ugliest of things, he went on to write. The decayed and degraded states of moral and patriotic feeling, which thinks nothing worth a war, is worse. A man who has nothing which he cares more about than he does about his personal safety is a miserable creature who has no chances at being free, unless made and kept so by the exertions of better men than himself. And the truth is, you and I have been kept um, by the exertions of better men and women than ourselves, those who are willing in defense of not only this uh, republic, but the principles for which it stands. We haven't always lived up to them, but those principles motivated many to pay the ultimate price. And on Memorial Day, we have an opportunity to remember. We often make those kinds of bold statements that we will never forget, but the truth is we do forget. We pay little heed. We give very little mind. But Memorial Day gives us an opportunity to do the opposite. Since the opening salvos of the American Revolution, nearly 1.2 million Americans have died in defense of liberty. Additionally, 1.4 million have been wounded in combat, and tens of millions more have served honorably, surviving without physical wounds. These numbers, of course, offer no reckoning of the inestimable value of their service or the sacrifices borne by their families, but we do know that the value of liberty extended to their posterity, to us, and it is priceless. So as we approach this three-day weekend that we've been uh, rejoicing over here on the program as we anticipate getting a you know an additional day next week off to spend time with families. I hope you'll do what we are going to do, and that's to take some time to really consider 
uh, the sacrifices that have been made and those who have paid the ultimate price. We're going to take a quick break. We'll wrap things up. We'll let you know a little bit about what's coming up next week and hopefully make a plan or two for next week. We'll be back. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. We're back for the final segment of the Friday edition of the Georgine Rice Show as we anticipate the long weekend. Uh, I want to let you know what's coming up next week. In fact, on Monday, which is Memorial Day, we have a special we'll be running in the 5 o'clock hour I think you will enjoy. And if you do nothing else uh, that reminds us of the sacrifices made on our behalf as we remember those who served our country well, um, you can listen to the 5 o'clock hour of Monday's program to be reminded. uh, And that's coming up on Memorial Day proper. On Tuesday, we'll talk with Darren Spoo. He's the author of The Good Book, 40 Chapters That Reveal the Bible's Biggest Ideas. So if you're looking for something of an overview that might help you make sense of uh, how the Bible is arranged, the 66 books of the Bible, uh, this is a good resource. The Good Book, 40 Chapters That Reveal the Bible's Biggest Ideas. And then on Wednesday, we'll talk with uh, Randy Frazee. He's the author of What Happens After You Die, A Biblical Guide to Paradise, Hell, and uh, Life Rather After Death. Uh, the book is published by Nelson, and it gives us a rather sobering look at that end of the of life's continuum and what the scriptures have to say about that. Uh, we know a great deal about, um, as the title suggests, a biblical guide to paradise. We know what the scriptures say about that, and we'll uh, look at the uh, the fuller story as well uh, when Mr. Frizzy joins us on Wednesday. We're working on a guest for Thursday, and then on Friday we'll lighten up and uh, enjoy uh, some uh, lighter heart of the lighter side of the news as well. Uh, while this is Friday and we're anticipating Memorial Day, I did want to draw your attention to an event that just took place in Egypt, and uh, I take it so personally because when I consider Christians, believers in various places around the world, I very much see them as part of the body of Christ, family members whose um, whose welfare is my concern. In many cases, there's little I can do to uh, to help, to encourage, to lift them up other than prayer. And I don't want to suggest that uh, prayer is of little value. It is a, a tremendous value, and we need to be praying for those who are persecuted in the church. But I wanted to draw your attention to an event that took place in Egypt um, just today. A team of gunmen apparently opened fire on a bus carrying Coptic Christians uh, south uh, of Cairo on Friday local time, killing at least 28, including children. In fact, most we now know were children and wounding 22 others. Uh, This according to Egyptian officials. As many as 10 attackers in three SUVs stormed the bus dressed in military uniforms, wearing masks. According to witnesses, the victims were on their way to visit a monastery to pray. Um, only three children survived the attack. We don't have the total number of children who were uh, killed, but we have learned that the majority of those killed were children, according to the uh, Cops United News uh, reporting. Video circulating on social media after the attack showed the bodies of about 10 men um, scattered in the sand on the side of the road uh, with pools of blood around them. Children hysterically screaming, could be heard in the background. Local media also reported that the attackers were recording a video themselves of the event. Arab TV stations also showed images of the badly damaged bus along the roadside. Many of the witnesses, or the windows rather, shattered and with uh, numerous bullet holes. Footage of the uh, bus's interior showed blood stains on the seats and shattered glass everywhere. 
No group immediately claimed responsibility, although they say it it uh, took on the appearance of an ISIS attack. Uh, but again, uh, in Egypt, they also said that it takes a little longer uh, for responsibility to be brazenly taken. Uh, but Egypt's Coptic Christians have become the preferred target of the Islamic State in that region. Egypt's Copts, the Middle East's largest Christian community, repeatedly have uh, cried for help from discrimination as well as outright attacks at the hands of the country's majority Muslim population. Coptic Christians account for about 10 percent of Egypt's 93 million people. And I mention it uh, so that we as uh, as fellow believers can remember them in prayer um, and to be reminded that there are many uh, who face persecution because of their Christian faith. These people were on a bus uh, going to a place where they could pray corporately together, something we are reluctant to do very often. You know, you hold a prayer meeting, we rarely show up. They were going to a site that for them is holy. They were going to pray and uh, they were simply gunned down. These SUVs, we are told, came alongside the bus, forcing it to stop. They got onto the bus and began shooting. And we now know the death toll, um, which is uh, at least 28, and those numbers are still fluid, so the number could be considerably higher. Uh, Others were seriously wounded. We need to be praying people for the persecuted church. Well, I want to thank uh, James Blend for uh, engineering today's program. We don't get that opportunity to work together like that very often. He is the producer of the program, so he's always involved in one way or another. And Clark typically is the engineer. He's doing other things to to um, try to catch up for the long weekend that we're looking forward to. Uh, so it's always a joy to work with both of them, but a little bit of a reversed role uh, today. And I hope you'll plan to uh, to listen in on Monday, particularly in the five o'clock hour where we have our Memorial Day special. And you'll be reminded of why we set aside a day to remember those who paid the ultimate price. And then on Tuesday, you can join me uh, where we'll, among other things, talk with Darren Spoo. He's the author of The Good Book, 40 Chapters That Reveal uh, the Bible's Biggest Ideas. So I'm looking forward to a conversation with him about that and looking forward to having a, an additional day off Uh, for Memorial Day. I want to close today's program with a a poem that has come to be uh, associated with Memorial Day. It was written by Colonel John McRae many, many years ago, written during uh, World War I, and that's when this uh, Memorial Day was first established, and I wanted to share it with you. Uh, In Flanders fields, the poppies blow between the crosses, row on row, that mark our place, and in the sky, the larks still bravely singing fly. Scarce heard amid the guns below. We are the dead, short days ago. We lived, felt dawn, saw sunset glow. Loved and were loved, and now we lie in Flanders' fields. Take up our quarrel with the foe. To you from failing hands we throw. The torch be yours to hold it high. If you break faith with us who die, we shall not sleep, though poppies grow in Flanders' field. I'm reminded that on Memorial Day, We remember those who paid the ultimate price, but we are also reminded that one day there will be no more war. Um, As long as we live in this earth and in this life, there will be wars and rumors of wars, but a day is coming when there will be no more wars. And I look forward to and long for that day um, because we'll be in God's presence and he will have put everything to right. Have a great weekend and join us again on Monday. Good night. Thanks for listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. If you'd like to download a podcast of the show or would like more information on today's guests, please visit the show at kpdq.com or on Facebook. Follow the show on Twitter at G Rice Show and like us on Facebook. 
And join us live every weekday at 4 for more critical thinking for critical times on 93.9 KPDQ.